Hey, junior high students. One thing I've been doing recently during this time of quarantine has been lifting weights. I know, believe it or not, I actually work, work out sometimes. But one thing that I've learned through the years of exercising or lifting weights is that in order to do it well, you need to have endurance. If you don't have endurance, when it gets difficult to lift up the weight or to run that extra mile, you're just going to give up and you're not gonna be able to do it well. You need to have endurance. Well, similarly, in the Christian life, if we're to obey Christ as Christians in any situation, we need to have endurance. And today we're gonna look at someone who had endurance. Last week we talked about Abraham and learning to trust God like he did. And this week we're gonna learn how to have endurance like Joseph from the book of Genesis. So go ahead and open up your Bibles with me. We're gonna be sticking in Genesis, this, this whole sermon. So go ahead and look at Genesis chapter 37, where we're gonna to learn to have endurance like Joseph did. The first lesson we're gonna learn comes from Genesis 37 verses 23 through 28. And one thing to know about Joseph is that he is the favorite of the sons. So Jacob, his father, likes Joseph more than the other brothers. And this causes his brothers to hate Joseph. And it causes them to do something really bad that we read about in Genesis 23 through 28. So go ahead and read along with me. It says this, so when Joseph came to his brothers out in the fields, they stripped him of his robe, the robe of many colors that he wore. And they took him and threw him into a pit. The pit was empty. There was no water in it. So Joseph had this special robe that was given to him by his father. And the brothers take it off of him and they throw Joseph into a pit. Then they sat down to eat. So his other brothers are eating while Joseph's down in the pit. And looking up, they saw a caravan of Ishmaelites coming from Gilead with their camels, bearing gum, balm, and myrrh on their way to carry it down to Egypt. Then Judah said to his brothers, What profit is it if we kill our brother and conceal his blood? Come, let us sell him to the Ishmaelites, and let not our hand be upon him. For he is our brother, our own flesh, and his brothers listened to him. Then Midianite traders passed by, and they drew Joseph up and lifted him out of the pit and sold him to the Ishmaelites for 20 shekels of silver. They took Joseph to Egypt. So the first thought of, by the brothers was, hey, why don't we just kill Joseph? Because that's how much we hate him. But then Judah, one of his brothers, steps in and say, hey, let's not kill him, but let's sell him away. So they sell him into slavery, and he gets taken down to Egypt as a slave. What an awful situation for Joseph to be in. And see, he could have chosen to, to question God and to get angry at God and to give up on obeying God, but yet he chooses to endure despite other people around him opposing him. And that's something we can learn from the life of Joseph if we want to endure as well in difficult situations. So for point number one, go ahead and write down, expect others to oppose you. You can expect others to oppose you if you are a Christian. There are going to be people who aren't going to like you because you're doing what the Bible says and other people aren't. They're not going to like you for that. John 15 talks about how if the people during the life of Christ, they oppose him and they did mean things to him and they persecuted Christ, that similarly... 
people are going to persecute us for following Christ. So we should expect that. Matthew 5, 11 through 12 talks about what our response should be when other people persecute us, when they oppose us, when they call us mean names or they say mean things or they do wrongful actions towards us. Matthew 11, uh, Matthew 5 verses 11 through 12 say this, Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Saying, hey, happy are you when other people say mean things towards you or do mean things to you. You might be confused. How can I be happy? How can I be blessed when wrong things are happening happening to me by other people? Well, it's because of this in verse 12. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven. For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. It's saying, hey, you can rejoice when other people oppose you for following Christ. You can rejoice because you are storing up rewards in heaven. You're storing up rewards. That should cause you to rejoice when other people oppose you. And see, this isn't talking about, hey, you should be happy when people oppose you when you're doing something wrong. No, it's saying people are going to oppose you specifically for following Christ, for doing what he says. And in that we should rejoice because we're storing up rewards in heaven and we should expect it and not be surprised when that happens. If we do that, we're going to endure like Joseph did. The next thing we're going to learn from Joseph comes in chapter 39 of Genesis. We pick up where he is now in Egypt, and he is a slave to this man named Potiphar. And you see, Joseph does such a good job, and he's such a good servant to Potiphar that he becomes second in command of Potiphar's household. That's how much Potiphar trusts him. But then something takes a turn here in chapter 39. We're going to read verses 6 through 12 and see how Joseph responds to this. Verse 6 says that, So he, talking about Potiphar, left all that he had in Joseph's charge. And because of him, he had no concern about anything but the food he ate. He trusted Joseph so much. Joseph was such a good steward He was obeying God and doing the right thing. He trusted him so much that he was second in charge. Then it takes the turn here. Now Joseph was handsome in form and appearance. And after a time, his master's wife cast her eyes on Joseph and said, Lie with me. But he refused and said to his master's wife, Behold, because of me, my master has no concern about anything in the house. And he has put everything that he has in my charge. He is not greater in this house than I am. Nor has he kept back anything from me except you because you are his wife. How then can I do this great wickedness and sin against God? See, Joseph was so focused on obeying God that he didn't want to do anything that was sinful. He didn't want to sin against Potiphar, and more importantly, he didn't want to sin against God. So he says no to Potiphar's wife trying to get him to sin. But Potiphar's wife is persistent in verse 10. And as she spoke to Joseph day after day, he would not listen to her, to lie beside her or to be with her. But one day, 
when he went into the house to do his work, and none of the men of the house was there in the house, she caught him by his garment. She grabs him, saying, Lie with me. But he left his garment in her hand and fled and got out of the house. Potiphar's wife is so persistent to try to get Joseph to sin, she grabs him. And what is Joseph's response? He could say, oh, this is too hard. I'm, I'm going to give up and I'm going to give in to the sin. I'm going to stop obeying God. He says, no, he has the endurance to run for the temptation. He even leaves his garment behind him and runs. He flees away from the temptation. If we want to endure like Joseph did and continue to obey God, we need to take sin seriously. So for point number two, go ahead and write down, run from sinful temptations. We need to run from sinful temptations. See, we all face different sinful temptations in our lives, and we need to be so serious in how we deal with them. We must not see sin as just a small deal that God doesn't care about. We need to see it as a massive deal and fight sin as strongly as we can. Matthew 5 talks about how extreme we should be when it comes to our fight against sin. This is Jesus continuing in the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew 5, verses 29 and 30. It says this, If your right eye causes you to sin, tear it out and throw it away. For it is better that you lose one of your members than that your whole body be thrown into hell. And if your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off and throw it away. For it is better that you lose one of your members than that your whole body go into hell. See, Jesus here isn't saying that you should actually start plucking out your eyes and start chopping off your hands. He's saying, hey, your treatment with sin needs to be so severe. You need to take sin so seriously that you are willing to take drastic measures to fight against it. Let me ask you this question. How serious are you when it comes to fighting sin? Are you firm in, in fighting against it and running away from it and saying no to sin? Or do you just say, uh, it, I'm just going to give in to it just this one time because it's not a big deal. See, we, if we want to endure like Joseph, we need to take sin so seriously. And you might be like, well, Nathan, you don't know what I'm, what I'm going through. I have temptations coming at me right and left, and they're so hard, and I just, I feel like I have to give into it. Well, 1 Corinthians 10, 13 gives us some comfort and gives us some hope when it comes to temptations. It says this, No temptation has overtaken you that is not common to man. So there's no temptation out there that you're the only person that is going through that temptation. God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond your ability. But with the temptation, He will also provide the way of escape that you may be able to endure it. It says, hey, in any temptation that you face, there is always a way of escape that God provides. You need to hold on and grasp that way of escape and choose to fight against sin and not to give into it. That's what we should learn from Joseph, that we need to fight against sin and take it seriously. There's more that we can learn from Joseph. So hopefully you're still in Genesis 39. And after this situation occurs, remember where he runs away from Potiphar's wife, we see that 
Potiphar's wife blames Joseph and says that it was Joseph who tried to get her to give in to sin. And so Joseph, who's just a slave, he gets thrown into prison for it. So he not only does the right thing by running away from the sin, but also he gets thrown into prison wrongly, even though it wasn't his fault. But he meets two people in prison. One is the cupbearer and one is the baker, formerly for the Pharaoh. So they were in high positions and they have these two dreams. Each of them have a dream and they don't really know what it means. And Joseph is able to interpret the dreams and tell him what it means. He tells the baker that his dream means that ultimately it's going to lead to his death down the road and that the cupbearer is going to get put back in his position. And guess what? He's exactly right with the interpretation of the dreams. And he asks the cupbearer one thing. He says, don't forget about me when you're back in your position. But guess what? The cupbearer forgets about Joseph. That is until the Pharaoh has a dream and no one is able to explain what the dream means. Then the cupbearer remembers, oh, I, I should tell him about Joseph who is able to interpret my dream. So Joseph comes before Pharaoh and Pharaoh says this to Joseph in verses 15 through 33. We're gonna read this longer section. It says this, and Pharaoh said to Joseph, I've had a dream and there is no one who can interpret it. I've heard it said, of you that when you hear a dream, you can interpret it. He said, hey, I heard about you. Can you tell me what my dream means? Joseph answered Pharaoh, it is not in me. God will give Pharaoh a favorable answer. See, once again, Joseph gives glory to God. He's not all about himself. He's about obeying and serving God. And right here, he shows it again. That's not about himself. It's about God. God is the one who's able to have him interpret these dreams. Verse 17, Then Pharaoh said to Joseph, Behold, in my dream I was standing on the banks of the Nile, the Nile River. Seven cows, plump and attractive, came up out of the Nile and fed in the reed grass. So there's these seven healthy cows. Seven other cows came up after them, poor and very ugly and thin, such as I had never seen in all the land of Egypt. So then there's these seven skinny cows that are not healthy. And the thin, ugly cows ate up the first seven plump cows. But when they had eaten them, no one would have known that they had eaten them, for they were still as ugly as at the beginning. Then I awoke. So in the, the dream, these seven healthy cows and these seven skinny cows, and the skinny cows eat the fat cows, but they still look skinny. Then he wakes up. Verse 22. I also saw in my dream, so he has a second dream, seven ears growing on one stalk, full and good. Then also seven ears withered, thin and blighted by the east wind sprouted after them. And the thin ears swallowed up the seven good ears. And I told it to the magicians, but there was no one who could explain it to me. So there's these seven ears, ones that seven that are good and seven that are not good. And once again, the seven withered and thin ones swallow up the good ones. And no one's able to explain this, these two dreams to him. Then Joseph said to Pharaoh, the dreams of Pharaoh are one. God has revealed to Pharaoh what he is about to do. Saying, hey, these two dreams, they actually have the same meaning. The seven cows are seven years. 
and the seven good years are seven years. The dreams are one. The seven lean and ugly cows that came up after them are seven years. And the seven empty ears blighted by the east wind are also seven years of famine. It is as I told Pharaoh, God has shown to Pharaoh what he is about to do. There will come seven years of great plenty throughout all the land of Egypt. Seven awesome years where there's lots of food. But after them, there will arise seven years of famine and all the plenty will be forgotten in the land of Egypt. The famine will consume the land and the plenty will be unknown in the land by reason of the famine that will follow. For it will be very severe. Saying, hey, there's going to come seven years where there's plenty, lots of food for the land. But then seven years after where there's a famine, so there's not much food. And people are going to forget about the seven great years because of how bad the famine is going to be. Verse 32. And the doubling of Pharaoh's dream means that the thing is fixed by God and God will shortly bring it about. Now, therefore, let Pharaoh select a discerning and wise man and set him over the land of Egypt. Saying, hey, this dream happened twice because it's going to happen. It is for sure. God is going to make this happen. So, Pharaoh, you would be wise to set someone over the land of Egypt. But one thing that's really important to notice from Joseph telling the interpretation of the dream is that he doesn't try to get praise and attention for himself, but rather he relies on God as is shown in verse 16. He says, it's not about me, but it's about God. And see, that's the same attitude that we need to adopt if we are going to endure and continue to obey God in every situation of our life. So for point number three, go ahead and write down completely rely on God. We need to be people who completely rely on God for everything, have a total dependence on Him. Think about it. God is sovereign, which means He is in charge and in control of all things. And we need to trust Him. We need to put all our trust in Him. Proverbs 3 verses five through six, which is probably a passage that a lot of you guys have memorized, but it talks about where our trust needs to be as well. It says this, trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will make straight your paths. It doesn't say, hey, trust in God with some of your heart and then trust in yourself with the other part of your heart. No, it says, trust in the Lord with all all of your heart. We need to completely rely on Him. We can be tempted to trust in ourselves or the things that we have or trust in our parents, but ultimately we should choose to trust God because He is the one who is in charge. And if we want to have the endurance that Joseph had, we should rely on God. That is what we need to do. Now, one last thing we're going to learn from the life of Joseph. So hopefully you're still in Genesis. So after Joseph is able to interpret the dreams for Pharaoh, he says, hey, you should put one person in charge of making sure there's enough food for the famine. Pharaoh says, Joseph, since you were able to interpret the dream, I'm going to put you in charge. So he becomes second in command of all of Egypt. Joseph rises up to power. And then in chapters 42 and 43, we read about how Joseph's 
brothers have to come to Egypt for food because they didn't hear about what, what Joseph said. So they are come to the land for food because Egypt has food. And they come and they see Joseph, but they don't realize that it's Joseph. And they come twice to get food from him. And the second time, he tests his brothers. But then after that, he either has a decision of whether Joseph is going to retaliate and try to do evil to his brothers for selling him into slavery, or he can rather choose to forgive his brothers. And in Genesis 45, verses 4 through 8, we read what his response is. It says this, So Joseph said to his brothers, Come near to me, please. And they came near. And he said, I am your brother Joseph, whom you sold into slavery. He finally reveals himself that, hey, it's me, it's Joseph. And think about the shock that might have been on his brother's face and the little bit of fear for, oh man, he's now has such power and we sold him into slavery. What is he going to say? Verse 5, And now do not be distressed or angry with yourselves because you sold me here. For God sent me before you to preserve life. It's like, hey, don't be angry with yourselves for that because God is the one who sent me before you to preserve life. For the famine has been in the land these two years, and there are yet five years in which there will be neither plowing nor harvest. And God sent me before you to preserve for you a remnant on earth and to keep alive for you many survivors. So it was not you who sent me here, but God. How amazing is that? Joseph doesn't try to get revenge on his brothers, but rather he chooses to forgive them. See, after this, he brings his entire family back into Egypt and he provides and he cares for them. And if we want to have the endurance that Joseph had, we need to choose to forgive others rather than try to get revenge. So for the last point, point number four, go ahead and write down, choose forgiveness over revenge. Choose forgiveness over revenge. Joseph easily, with the power that he had, could have done wrong toward his brothers. Rather, he chose to forgive them. We even read about that at the end of his life in Genesis chapter 50. So he brings his whole family back to, to Egypt and he provides and, and he cares for them. But then his father, Jacob, he dies. And this makes his brothers a little nervous of whether maybe now the time is coming when he is going to enact revenge. So read with me Genesis 50 verses 15 through 21. It says this, When Joseph's brothers saw that their father was dead, they said, It may be that Joseph will hate us and pay us back for all the evil that we did to him. They said, Hey, maybe now that our father's died, he was just waiting and now he's going to get revenge on us. So they sent a message to Joseph saying, Your father gave this command before he died. Say to Joseph, please forgive the transgression of your brothers and their sin, because they did evil to you. And now please forgive the transgression of the servants of the God of your father. Joseph wept when, he, when they spoke to him. His brothers also came and fell down before him and said, Behold, we are your servants. See, his brothers were so afraid about what Joseph might do to get back that they send this message to him and they bow down to him. But Joseph said to them, Do not fear, 
for am I in the place of God? As for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good, to bring it about that many people should be kept alive as they are today. So do not fear, I will provide for you and your little ones. Thus he comforted them and spoke kindly to them. Think about how incredible that is. He was sold into slavery by his own brothers. And yet when he rises to power, he chooses not to get revenge on them, but rather chooses to show forgiveness and to provide for them. We need to adopt that same attitude that he has. We need to forgive other people even when they wrong us. Think about what we talked about with the first point, that there are going to be other people who oppose us, those of us that are Christians. They're going to do wrong things to us. They're going to say mean things to us. And we need to choose to forgive them rather than try to get them back. One last passage to turn to is Matthew 18, verses 21 through 25. Jesus talks about the forgiveness that we need to show to other people when they wrong us. Peter asks Jesus this question in Matthew 18. Then Peter came up and said to him, Lord, how often will my brother sin against me and I forgive him? As many as seven times? Hey, my He's saying, hey, my brother, he, he's committed this sinful act against me. Am I supposed to forgive him seven times? That's a lot. Jesus said to him, I do not say to you seven times, but 77 times. And see, what Jesus isn't saying here is, hey, keep a, keep a track, and then once that person's gotten up to 77, then you can start forgiving them. That's, that's not what Jesus is trying to say. He's saying, you need to keep on forgiving others, no matter how many wrongs, wrong and evil things they do to you. That is what we need to do as believers. If we want to obey God, and show the endurance that Joseph had, we need to be willing to forgive others. In the end, if, if we want to obey God in every situation and learn from the endurance that Joseph had, we need to expect other people to oppose us, to do wrong things to us. We need to run away from the sinful temptations that we face. We need to completely rely on God. And lastly, we need to choose forgiveness over revenge. And hopefully through those things and looking at the life of Joseph, we will be able to obey God in the different situations we face in life and to endure like Joseph did.